Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. It's been a week. Where were you when Roe versus Wade was overturned? When you heard the news? Perhaps you've been involved in the pro-life movement your whole life. Perhaps you've had a conversion to the pro-life position. Or maybe you're still on the fence It was a historic day, shocking for some, exciting for others, anticipated, unexpected, hoped for, but never believed. We're here. We're in a post-Roe America, the so-called, nowhere to be found, constitutional so-called right to abortion does not exist. This is what the Supreme Court has made clear. And here we are, weekend, talking about the fact that we've seen Roe versus Wade overturned. Today, we're going to unpack the future of the pro-life movement. In fact, we're going to be joined by Pam Stenzel, who you may know her as an international absence speaker, but also she runs multiple crisis pregnancy centers, having worked in the pro-life movement for years. We'll discuss the aftermath of abortion and its impact on women, because here's the reality. The sooner we can help our loved ones and strangers too in healing from abortion, the more apt they are to be pro-life in the future. Over 50% of all abortions today are statistically known to be repeat abortions. If we can help in that healing, that conversion of heart after that first abortion, we are saving future lives and we're helping that woman to heal. And that's pro-life. We'll talk about that as well as how the pregnancy resources have been preparing are now entering into this season of expecting increased volume, especially in states where abortion is no longer accessible. What have they been doing? Has this changed their mission at all? We'll explain a little bit of that. And also, we'll discuss how RU-486, the abortion pill, the chemical abortion pill, set of two pills, how these are being used as a future of abortion, especially in states where abortion will be limited or not accessible, and how this does tremendous damage to women's bodies. We'll also talk about how the abortion industry is changing how they are telling women to use this abortion pill process because they're scared of women changing their minds in the process because did you hear abortion pill reversal a person can change her mind a woman after having started the abortion process and save the life of her baby it's not too late but the abortion movement isn't telling her to do something very dangerous to prevent that baby's life from being saved through that incredible medical intervention that can occur so Buckle up. The future of the pro-life movement, it's here. We're in a post-row America. Joining me now to talk about the culture of abortion society, the future of abortion in the crisis pregnancy centers, the types of abortions that will be performed in both 
what we could refer to as more pro-life states and pro-abortion states as well is Pam Stenzel. Pam Stenzel has been educating youth across the nation for 30 years now, especially to the message of abstinence. She's a director of Enlightened Communication. Prior to COVID, spoke to over 500,000 teens a year internationally. She's also the regional clinic supervisor for community pregnancy clinics in Florida. So she'll give us a glimpse as to what the pregnancy resource centers are preparing for in the weeks and months to come as we anticipate more women, God willing, we hope will be turning to our crisis pregnancy centers for hope and help and for answers in the midst of a traumatic experience for them. And that is an unplanned pregnancy. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Pam, you and I are here uh, during this Catholic Pro-Life Leadership Program for Teens at Box Vitae in Southern California. And you have been sharing all week as well with the teens about your work. And I'd like to start, if you're okay with it, we're going to talk about um, what we're expecting in the months to come. But I think the line starts with women who are experiencing abortion now or who have already had abortions. And I'd like to hear about um, your experience recently in counseling women who have gone through abortions, because this is a part of our future of helping heal those wounds. Absolutely. And I think with everything going on, because it's in the news and everyone's talking about it, you know, women who have experienced abortion, uh, and there are a lot of them, and there are, and it's not just women, it's men and, and anybody involved, you know, this is bringing up a lot of pain, a lot of struggle for many of them. And so it's really important that, and in and, and studies have shown that most women or men who are, are hurting or struggling with an, a past abortion don't have any idea where they could go for help. They, they don't know. There's a wonderful, wonderful organization that actually began in Southwest Florida, but it's, it's now nationwide. It's called Support After Abortion, supportafterabortion.com. It's a wonderful resource and it allows people to kind of reach out and get help. But in our pregnancy clinics, and, and specifically, and I'm working at one, or we opened one at the University of Florida in Gainesville, and I've been spending a lot of my time there since COVID, but, um, we had a young woman who, um, was pregnant, came, got her ultrasound in our clinic, uh, was very, very emotional about it, really didn't want to to have an abortion. It was uh, late uh, in the first uh, semester of school. So when semester break happened, she she's from another country. And so she went back to her home country. And uh, over the holidays, and sadly right before Christmas, her mother actually made the appointment and just kind of like, in her words, made the decision for her and just kind of forced her, you know, to, to go through an abortion. And she came back to the university uh, in January, just devastated. And she came back to our clinic. And I'm so grateful because I, I know um, I began counseling her. I've been counseling her for about five months and also got her involved in a support group with support after abortion so she could be with other women. But it was so important that the, for for years in this uh, you know post abortion work and healing work that we've been doing there's so many great organizations that are out there doing it it's been women who it's been 10 15 20 30 years and they finally decide to to reach out for help and and it's really important to us and and the best way to reach women that they get this help sooner the sooner that they can reach out for healing and get that healing, the better. And our pregnancy clinics are the best places for that. If we can love them enough to say, you know what, we want you to choose life. We're going to be here for you, you know, to choose life. 
But if she doesn't, if we've loved her well enough that she feels safe to come back and say, I'm hurting and I don't know where else to turn to. Almost 50% of abortions, they believe, are women who've already had an abortion in the past. Repeat. And so if if we could do a better job, if we can reach these women as quick as we can, we can prevent any future abortion from taking place. And this is what's good about sidewalk counselors being in front of the abortion clinics is good sidewalk counselors should be there ready to give resources for that woman who just had an abortion. Look, we know you're going to be hurting. We know you're probably already struggling because the studies show that depression and anxiety sets in immediately for many of these women who go through an abortion. Right. And 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 because a lot that happens in because there's so much trauma right there, they they will remember. And something as simple as support after abortion, right? That's not a complicated name. It's not that they should be able to find that help. And the more we can reach out um, and and get these young women to feel comfortable. The other thing I think uh, some of the the methodology uh, the methodology that we're using is helpful. A lot of these women are reaching out online. They're being able to get counseling via uh, tele telemed. They're they're not having to show up at a church or show up, you know, in for a group at a specific time and and or go to a retreat where you know they're able to kind of really feel a little more anonymity but yet reach out for that initial help. And it's not to say that they may not eventually, you know, do the retreat setting or do a in-person group, but sometimes initially they just kind of want to reach out to someone and feel a little more safe behind a screen. And I know post-abortion healing is a topic that's really difficult for some people. I know everyone in the pro-life movement agrees there needs to be healing, but some people I think have a harder time speaking to these women than others because of just the upset of over what abortion is and what's been done. But if we can give those resources, if we can know what they are so that when a friend, a family member, or sometimes even just a random stranger who starts talking about having, I mean, because sometimes people just start talking because they see that you're someone they can share this with. And to be able, like you said, to get to that person as soon as we know it, because those repeat abortions, as you said, 50% of abortions are women who already had abortions. We are helping to save future lives. And I've seen so many women who've had that first abortion say they will never do it again. They are they need that healing and they are pro-life after that abortion. Sadly, the tragedy of what they experienced had is what took them there. But though that is a pro-life position that that woman is going to hold and share, God willing, after that. Now, it's interesting because you actually shared, and I hadn't known this, part of the reason why you got into the pro-life work was because all these women who were post-abortive had actually started coming to you randomly. You shared this the other day. Yeah, you know, and and you and you don't and realizing that they didn't have the help that they needed and they didn't know who else to reach out to and and you would think sometimes someone who's talking about sex or pretty you know, pretty out there with my my views about no sex before marriage and all the pain that you would say would be a little maybe scary to come to about these issues, but for whatever reason, I don't know, they're, they're like, well, let me just tell you what I went through. And then, it, because I've not experienced it. So, um, it, it's, it's just so good to sit and listen to them talk. And in our clinics, you know, it's part of our intake of asking. So we hear the stories over and over and over again from these women and, and realizing, you know, whether it was a year later or, or a decade later that they realized how much pain that they had gone through and, and finally the freedom of dealing with it and feeling like 
you know, they've gotten some healing and forgiveness and and some redemption in the process. Praise God. So that's supportafterabortion is a resource you mentioned. Correct. Supportafterabortion.com and and women, men, you know, we, we sometimes we forget that there are men involved and 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 um and feel a lot of guilt over, you know, I, a lot of young men I talk to say, well, we kind of felt that we didn't have a voice, first of all, culture tells them. And then they've been told that if they say to the 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 young woman, well, I'll support you whatever you decide, that that's a loving thing. But that's not a loving thing. What that does is says, you know what, it's all on you. I'm just sitting here. I don't have anything to do with this and, and puts all the decision, all the pain, all the aftermath on her. And, you know, a lot of times what, what she really wants in that moment is for him to step up, up to the plate and say, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not, I will be here for you and I'm not walking away and, and, and just kind of encouraging him to use his voice. And so a lot of uh, young men, if they didn't do that or they, they paid money or they drove her to the clinic and do you know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of guilt that can happen in their world afterwards as well. So it's important that, you know, and they process pain and healing a little bit differently. And so it's really good to offer resources to them and to make sure that, that they know that, that they can be a part of this healing process too. And, and, and talk about that. So. I'm so glad, Pam, that you brought up men. And by the way, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. That's Pam Stenzel, the Director of Enlightened Communication and the Regional Coordinator, super, Clinic Supervisor of Community Pregnancy Clinics in the state of Florida. Uh, Pam, you mentioned men in the uh, abortion scene today. And it was interesting about three or so months ago, a man, I believe his name was Mark, called into the radio program and he was driving a few hours to one of his friend's homes. And she was one who um, was considering having an abortion. And she knew that he was a strong man in her life in the midst of not having support from the father of this baby. And I was just so proud of this man recognizing this this woman was vulnerable she was in a place he's pro-life she's looking to have this abortion he recognized that she needed that male support is he the father no but sometimes even this is what i love about some of the male sidewalk counselors is it can be so healing i know it's sometimes aggravating for some women for them to see that man in front of the abortion clinic but healing for some to see there's a man who cares a man who will speak up because often many women who choose to have an abortion, it's because they didn't have the support or thought they wouldn't have the support if they told the man that they were pregnant. Right. hundred percent. And, and, and so just having that voice and just hearing that. And, and, and again, we, we've said this so many young women today don't have a father in their world, which is causing them to make a lot of wrong decisions when it comes to relationships. And, and so to have that, that male voice. I, I got a chance to speak in Tallahassee, Florida recently at the, the men's march. And, and when they asked me to speak at it, I was a little bit like, why am I speaking at the men's march? But it was so amazing to look at all of these men, you know, walk three and a half miles. They walked from a, an abortion clinic in Tallahassee to the Capitol and then just standing up and being a voice for life. And I said to them, I said, God called you to be a protector. This is your place. Don't ever let someone tell you you don't have a voice. 
You, we need you to to honor women, to respect women, to to you know to be that man that doesn't treat women as some object for their sexual desire, but but shows what it means to be a man who treats women with honor and respect, and and who can you know be that protector. And it was so awesome because we had you know men from older men all the way down to to young eight, nine, ten year old boys, and to just call them to to be who God God you know just to help them see that call of God on their life. That's Pam Stendhal, the director of Enlightened Communication. Where can people find you? They can go to pamstenzel.net or they can go to enlightencom.com. That's pamstenzel.net, P-A-M-S-T-E-N-Z-E-L.net. We'll include a link in the podcast notes for today's show. You can find that at relevantradio.com forward slash trending, wherever you catch your podcast. Also post on social media at Timory, T-I-M-M, E-R-I-E. Our crisis pregnancy centers are the heartbeat of the pro-life movement on the ground working with women in crisis. What are they expecting with the overturning of Roe versus Wade? How are they changing perhaps their mission, if at all? Well, I'll share with you the great news and also the future of abortion and chemical abortions being pushed in various states that will or will not have access to abortion and the dangerous recommendations being made to women. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Joining me now is Pam Stenzel. You may know her as the absent speaker that's traveled nationally, speaking to over 500,000 teens a year. She's the director of Ed of Enlightened Communication. You can find her at pamstenzel.net. That's P-A-M-S-T-E-N-Z-E-L.net. She's also the regional clinic supervisor for community pregnancy clinics in Florida. And Pam, so much is happening right now in the abortion world. What are the pregnancy resource centers preparing for with abortion being restricted more so than it has before in many of our states? Yeah, you know, one of the things we've always said, we are still necessary. Our pregnancy clinics still need to be there. We expect, uh, you know, one of our hope is that we will be busier than we've ever been, that, that women will find us and be able to, to, to reach out for the help that they need to be able to choose life uh, for their child and not go to drastic measures, you know, trying to, you know, get mail order abortion pills or do dangerous kinds of things or cross state lines. And, you know, those are all the battles that we're going to be dealing with in the years ahead. Um, but I, I really believe that um, we're ready. We, we, we've been ready. It's just a matter of continuing to do what, what we've been doing and offering that help and hope to women. Uh, I, I would say for those of who you are listening, find out who you're life-affirming pregnancy centers are in your community. We're going to really need need you. We're going to need you to uh, help with diapers and formula and, and you know, 
finances and and just whatever you can do. If there are women who are listening, can I just challenge you? We need women to come alongside and mentor and take one of these moms kind of under their wings through the pregnancy. And and, uh, we use uh, volunteer advocates in our clinics and they go over some parenting classes and other kind of classes with them. And, And I just say it's kind of like having that mentor, that coach, during this time, someone who you're not related to, isn't your mom, the boyfriend, you know, someone that close to you that you can just, you know, kind of bounce things off of as you're, you're going through this journey and making a decision about what you plan to do, uh, whether you're planning to parent that child, whether you're planning to make an adoption, you know, plan for the baby or whatever it is that we want to support you and be there for you. So there are opportunities for those of you listening to be involved, to be a part of the answer and to be able to walk alongside these women as, as they make a much better choice. Um, That said, we're also bracing ourselves, which is sad. It's so sad to have to say this, but there've been threats made against our pregnancy uh, clinics. um, And uh, it, it's, you know, we're, we're not going to run scared. We're not going to quit what we're doing. We're not going to not open our doors. Uh, we're here for the battle and we're going to be there. But it's just it's, it's just so devastating that, that these people that, that, that claim that they're for choice are not willing to support women who make a choice for life. That, that it's, it's just insane. So, and, and, and actually take these amazing resources, which far outnumber the abortion clinics in our country, our, our life-affirming pregnancy centers way outnumber them, and yet they're going to firebomb our clinics. They're going to firebomb the actual place where women can go and, and get the help that they need. I think people have no idea what pregnancy resource centers do. I really don't think they get it. it I mean, something doesn't click for them. I remember when I did the episode of Middle Ground with Jubilee Media a few years back. It's a big YouTube channel and they try to pose two different sides. as has a couple million views on YouTube. And I remember one of the women who had um, came from a state that was, I think, had no access to abortion in their state. They didn't have abortion clinics in that state growing up. And she just thought it was so restrictive. So she moves to California. Uh, she ends up getting pregnant at one point, has a miscarriage, and for some reason thinks that her miscarriage was an abortion. It's interesting how many women actually think that like pro-lifers hate women who lose babies. It's just mind-boggling to me. But it was interesting because she was saying, you people and your you know, so-called crisis pregnancy centers, you, know, you claim as pro-life people that you're going to help women. Like, where does that help come from? Like, you claim that you'll be there for whatever. And she said, what, does it come from the government? And I said, no, I said, it comes from the generosity of people who hear, oh, that girl needs a car. I'll donate a car or I'll donate money for her to get a car. That girl needs to help paying rent for the next six months. I'll help donate six months of rent. Or you know what? She can come and live in my home. And this girl's someone who had no parents growing up and no mentors. And it's a healing process. And literally, it's incredible to see. And you've seen it firsthand working in the pregnancy resource centers. These are places of absolute generosity where there's a need that a girl girl has and the crisis pregnancy center maybe might not be able to meet it themselves but they put that that appeal letter out that email out within minutes within hours they have in abundance anything that girl could possibly need yeah, hundred percent. And and we don't walk away after a baby's born. And you know, we stay with them, and 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 we walk with them, and 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 make sure that you know, sometimes two, three, four years. 
uh, making sure that they're connected and they have what they need to, if they're parenting to properly parent. And, and, and so, you know, I, I think it's important for people to understand that, that we've been doing this and we will continue to do this and that women do have options and yes, they could choose to parent. Um, we do a lot of work with couples. If there, there's a boyfriend involved, father of the baby and say, is marriage an option here? Can you create a family? And, and that's going to take some effort and work, but we're going to dive right into pre-marriage counseling with you and be there for you on that end. Um, Maybe they might want to make an adoption plan. That's a very difficult choice to make, but we want to walk through that process with them as well. And uh, most of the time they get to choose that family and what an amazing selfless gift that is. And I think sometimes when we talk about uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned and, 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 and women not having access to abortion, it's like, well, that's forced parenthood. It is not. You, there are other options for you that, yes, they're difficult. We're not pretending it's 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 not painful to, to make an adoption decision and allow another family to raise your child. But the reality is what an amazing selfless gift that is to say, you know what, I'm not what's best for this child, but, but this couple who desperately wants a baby and can't have one, you know, or isn't able to, to, to be able to have biological children is is waiting for this little one. We have 1.5 million couples waiting for a ba- an infant every year in this country. It's just so, people think that there's, you know, well, we have all these babies, where are they going to go? Orphanages, are, are you crazy? You know, not here, not in Canada, not in Western Europe. Yeah, not, not in the developed nations. It's interesting, actually, a bit of a prayer request. We have uh, dear family members who have been battling fertility and fertility for the last eight years and they are waiting right now for a baby that is to be born any day and for that baby to welcome that baby into their arms the mom's placing uh, the baby for adoption and wants you know the adoptive mom to be there in the room when uh, she gives birth and I look at this and the birth mother recognizes that she can't give this child what this child deserves, a mother and a father in uh, the fullness of motherhood that she feels she's incapable of giving this child. And this is what's so important about adoption in this nation. We need to cut through the politics that women are choosing to place their babies for adoption because they want a mother and a father for their baby. And it's sad that we're seeing this battle across the nation right now over, you know, Catholic charities and adoption agencies being close because they're insisting that these babies be placed with a mother and a father when that was the mom's wishes. That's why she placed this baby for adoption. That's why, you know, I've been working in this so long. And back in the day, it was an agency making a decision about where baby went. But but when women are um, choosing to place and making that decision primarily now it's done in an open adoption so the reality is we get that agency decision out of it completely and and this mother gets the opportunity to choose that that family and she oftenly becomes a part of that family too in in, a, in a some form or another and i think that that's a beautiful thing because for many of these women who are having uh, to choose to place their babies for adoption this is a healing part for them. And it's interesting, Pam, I'd like to hear, because I know you've been in a lot of situations with this as well, um, how much better the outcome is in adoption when these are open adoptions. I know adoption really does have a stigma. I think all of us have had friends or maybe even family members who have been placed for adoption. You have your own testimony that can speak to this, where I know some people really struggle with not knowing or understanding why 
uh, they were placed. Can you share a little bit of your story and um, the gift of open adoptions today? Yeah, so I'm old. So um, uh, I was conceived in 1964, and uh, my birth mother was 15 years old and was raped. And and I later found out um, as an adult, well, as a 19-year-old, that, that my birth mother was not only just 15 and raped, and then that's it. She was also in foster care. And this was the 60s, right? So I, I'm convinced that had I been conceived in 1975 and not 1965 or born, in, that I would have been killed by the state. So my life was probably protected by the, the wonderful pro-life people of the state of Michigan. But um, I did not know my 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 birth mother wasn't, it was not open then. That wasn't really an option. Um, but, but then as, as working in pregnancy centers later in my life, after I, I started working and working with birth moms, I got to experience open adoption and how that worked. And one of the clients I, I, I remember right away, one of the first girls I worked with, beautiful Catholic family, the, um, um, my client was 19 freshman year of college and she, they, she chose this beautiful family. She, she and her mom, so it would be grandma, uh, quilted this quilt and it, they put a verse from Jeremiah. I have loved you with an everlasting love. We had a beautiful mass ceremony where baby was placed into the arms of the adoptive couple. Um, adoptive mom journaled through the whole thing and made two copies. So she gave my birth mom a copy of her journal and it was just one of the most yes painful it's not it's not not painful but it was just a beautiful experience of this one family taking and placing their child and entrusting her in the care and i was actually doing in a pregnancy center a banquet a fundraiser speaking and this girl walked up to me and she goes do you remember do you you, you won't remember me but i i will never forget you and it was that baby girl and what was shocking to me was she looked like her birth mom. I mean, it, I, it was almost like seeing my client 22 years later right in front of me, you know, and, and just to see how God's blessed her. She's a, just a beautiful young woman. Um, so it just it's a great story. I'll tell your listeners, you can go to a, a website. It's called Brave Love bravelove.org and you're going to hear stories from uh, birth moms and and bravelove.org was made to to elevate these women to say you know what you're our heroes you made an amazing selfless decision to do what was best for your child and and we're going to celebrate you and and it, you're also going to hear from uh, adoptive parents and 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 adopted children as well and it's just a really great place to 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 just celebrate the gift that adoption can be so it's a great resource i think that your stories speak volumes to just the need to get over that stigma of of adoption so many people confuse adoption with the foster care system mistakenly not understanding they're two separate things and that the, the foster care system is a disaster and is something that needs to be fixed. But I think also we as people of faith, if we are able, have a responsibility, if you feel called to it, to pray about this, of entering into the mess of that foster care system and trying to do the best that you can in loving children. Right. And and the reason kids are in foster care is their parents have, they've been removed from the home. And the reason they're not adoptable is be, the parents haven't relinquished their parental rights. So, so the reality is that parent, that biological parent is keeping their child in the system. And it's really sad. One other thing we should mention in this too, is I, I'm on the, the board for safe haven baby boxes. 
and uh, every state, and I answer that hotline as well, so every state in our country has a safe haven law. They vary with age, and, and like it could, a baby could be under 30 days or under 72 hours in California, or, you know, whatever it is. But um, a, a, a mom can legally walk into a fire station or hospital with an unharmed infant and hand that baby to a firefighter or a hospital staff, no questions asked. I always tell the girls, say, use the words out of your mouth. I'm relinquishing under the safe haven law. She doesn't have to give her name, no information, and she can walk right out of that clinic. Now, if you're in a state that has our baby box, it's a device that is electronically monitored. You open that door. It's built into the outside of the fire station or hospital. You open the door. 911 is triggered, place baby into a climate-controlled bassinet that's on the inside of that building. Um, you shut the door, that door locks, and baby can only be retrieved by the staff. Our protocol is that the firefighters or hospital staff will be there within four minutes. We've never been really under like three, right? So, so immediately... Yeah, immediately baby is retrieved. And and so again, we're saying, if you can't make an adoption plan, if it's too scary for you to, to, to go through the process with an agency or an attorney, you you can walk into any fire station or hospital and surrender and keep that baby safe. And we would rather you did that and not the dumpster, right? And so it's important that, that women know that they have that option as well. And um, we've had 107 babies since I started working with them and answering that hotline safely surrendered. And we just had our 17th baby placed in a box. And I've gotten to like see them run around. The one of the, our first babies is, is now five years old and, and they're with their adoptive family and they're adopted and loved. It's, it's, it's amazing. And these are pro-life laws that are life-changing. I remember in the state of California, I think we only had a 24-hour waiting period in which you could place those babies and safely surrender them in California. And this is where, you know, maybe you're wondering, where do I fit into this pro-life movement? And I just think, you know, when we extended that to 72 hours in California, we went and lobbied to our politicians. I remember being, I was think I was maybe 15 years or old or so, and we went before the state legislator and we went through and walked and explained why this would help women. This was a pro-woman, this was a feminist. If you want to argue for a pro-woman law, this was a pro-woman law. And they were able to receive bipartisan approval. And that's a pro-life law. That's a pro-life law. And these are things that we can get behind when you're asking, where do I fit in? Maybe you can go and talk to legislators about laws like these, help to have them written, bring them up in your state legislator, volunteer at crisis pregnancy centers. Everyone has different gifts and talents and we need to discern and ask ourselves, what am I going to do today? What am I going to do tomorrow? And what can I prepare to do in the months and years to come? And this is what we're asking, especially tomorrow. We're coming up on our last day of this Vox VT Catholic Pro-Life Training Program. I'm asking these kids, like, they're on fire. They have been going to adoration every day. They've had the opportunity for confession. They've been going to mass every day, praying the rosary. They're learning about all of these issues from their Catholicism to the life issue to chastity to the LGBTQ issues. The question is, is, so what are you going to do about this? Where do you fit into that puzzle? And it shouldn't just be them asking that question. It should be all of us. 
All of us. Yep. And you know, even those of us who are a little bit older and say, well, I did some things and I'm just tired. And it's like, no, there, there's no tired. Mother Teresa said, God didn't call you to be successful. He said, he called you to be faithful. And so we have to be faithful where God's planted us to reach the, the, the people that we can. One of the things we've been talking to the students about and everyone listening can do the same thing. You need to use your voice. You need to talk. You need to use your social media platform. You need to be you know, spreading this information, helping people to understand what's going on and, and, um, and, and being that voice, even as your neighbor, your, your, um, for our students here, for their friends, their peers on their college campuses. It can come up in the most random of moments. You're a hairdresser in the yes, line at Chipotle. Yes. I mean, you don't know. You just have to listen. God is equipping you with this knowledge, with this love for his truth and for life. And we need to be able and prepared to respond. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. That's Pam Stenzel. You can find her at pamstenzel.net, P-A-M-S-T-E-N-Z-E-L.net. We'll be right back here on Trending. We're going to talk about well, what happens, what types of abortion will women still be seeking now in states where abortion is more restricted. Is it healthy? Is it safe? Is it better or worse than what we currently have? We'll break that down and share with you some of the newer trends that are ahead of us in a world without uh, Roe v. Wade being the law of the land and states being able to make some decisions now about restricting abortion. We'll be right back with Pam Stenzel here on Trending. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back. Joining me now is Pam Stenzel, the director of Enlightened Communication. You can find her at pamstenzel.net. That's S-T-E-N-Z-E-L.net. We post a link on social media as well as in the podcast notes, along with all the resources, websites we've mentioned during the show today. Um, over 54% of abortions we've seen statistically reported are via RU46 abortion, chemical abortions. We do believe that it's over 60% of abortions, however, that are being performed um, via this RU46 chemical abortion, also known technically as medical abortion um, process, Pam, um, We've seen over the last couple of years with COVID that the Biden administration has done something that the pro-abortion industry has been trying to do for years, and that is deregulate the RU-46 abortion pill. And they use COVID to do that by deregulating the REMS, basically allowing for mail-order abortion in this nation. And in the state of California, um, our college campuses have been turned into abortion clinics um, where women can access RU-46 abortions and ultimately for free um, at these uh, campuses and we need to talk a little bit about what are you 46 abortion is and how this is really what the I think streamline of abortion will be even in states where there's restricted access right so so are you 46 is not the morning after pill it's not the the high dose of birth control that that they tell girls to take after they've had unprotected sex like within 24 hours this is a completely different issue this is a pregnancy that should should be between five weeks and 10 weeks 
The problem is the industry is now trying to push that limit into 11 and 12 and, and, and go much later, which... Even though that's not what it's approved for, but they're just doing it on their own. Exactly right. They're, they're trying to push that. Well, the reality is this, is that they were never allowed to give this horrible medication, very dangerous medication to women without doing an ultrasound. It was required uh, for some reasons. We need to know the pregnancy is viable. In other words, there's a heartbeat. We need to, because there's no reason to take the abortion pill if the baby is already passed, you're going to miscarry naturally. Um, we need to know that the baby is in the uterus where the baby is supposed to be, not in the fallopian tube, that it's not ectopic. Ectopic pregnancy is dangerous and often deadly for women. And very common today. And common. And, and taking the this drug, uh, the, the RU46, does not end the pregnancy of, of an ectopic pregnancy. So what's going to happen is she's going to take this drug. She might experience a lot of pain, which she thinks is what they told her was going to happen. But what's happening is her tubes bursting and she's internally bleeding and, and it, it could kill her. Yeah, it's it's so dangerous. So so in, the only way to know where that baby is, is an ultrasound. That's the only way you can diagnose ectopic pregnancy. And the other thing is we need a proper gestational age. We need to know how old or how far along uh, this pregnancy is. So um, the, the chances of, of RU486 not working, her hemorrhaging, her not being, you know, not being able to you know, actually have the abortion complete uh, gets higher and higher the older uh, the gestational age. And, you know, the sick thing is this industry knows that. They are not unaware of this. And the reality is if, if RU486 fails, then they just, she's forced to come in and then have a surgical abortion. So now they've taken money for a drug that they didn't even require a doctor to prescribe or give. And they're taking and it's four to six hundred dollars, and then if that doesn't work, then she's got to come in and pay another four to six hundred dollars to have a surgical abortion after that. So, so there's all kinds of reasons. One of the things we are trying to get out there to women: never, ever, ever, ever take this drug without having an ultrasound, without you know, and and I say without having an STD. So to make sure you're not infected down there as well, because that could cause future infertility. So, so. That word has to get out to women, and that's one of the reasons in our clinics that we keep saying, we will do these tests for you for free. Please do not just mail order that pill, you know, do that first, and then we'll have a, you know, we can have a a decision. And the thing is, when these young women get an opportunity to have an ultrasound and hear that baby's heartbeat and see their little baby on that screen, there's a very, very good chance she will not go through with that. Eight out of 10, the crisis pregnancy centers are reporting eight out of 10 women who see that ultrasound are choosing life for their babies. Right. And so the other thing that's that we need to talk about quickly too is to understand that we now have what was called abortion pill reversal. That first drug um, basically uh, messes with the lining of the uterine, uh, the uterus. It's, it's project, are you 46? And so basically starves the baby, baby should die. The, the protocol was 72 hours. So so you take that first drug and, and 72 hours later, you take the second drug, the Cytotec, which causes you to go into labor and then you deliver that child. Alone at home. In your dorm, bleeding out. It's, it's, it's horrendous. But um, what, what, we've, what we've been able to do, thanks to Dr. Delgado and, and other physicians across the country, is they've developed 
abortion pill reversal. If we can get this woman, she takes that first pill, she immediately regrets. She's maybe at her dorm or in her house or in her apartment and she's, I oh, I shouldn't have done that. I, I, I can't believe I did that. If we can get to her quickly before she takes the second drug that causes labor, we can get her a prescription for progesterone, onboard this progesterone into her system and save that baby's life. About 60 to 70% of the chance that, that we could save her baby. Um, but it needs to be done quickly. Well, the abortion industry knows that we're doing this. They're saying all kinds of terrible things, but it's, it's not right. It, it's, it can't be done. Uh, but I just two weeks ago held a, a little baby boy in my arms who was an abortion pill reversal baby whose mom had taken the first pill and she was able to have her, her baby saved through abortion pill reversal. So that that's a lie. It works. We can do it. And it's perfectly safe. Uh, and these babies are perfectly healthy. Hundreds of them now are born through the abortion pill reversal process. I remember when it was first started because I worked with Dr. Delgado in launching a lot of the marketing campaigns around abortionpillreversal.com. And a lot of women would be scared by medical professionals. Oh, your baby's going to um, have birth defects. Your baby's going to have uh, you know all these different health issues. That's not true. These babies one after another after another saved by abortion pill reversal had nothing wrong with them. Correct. There's no greater increased risk of, of a birth defect or a problem than would be in the pregnancy, a natural pregnancy that you never took that first drug. So so it's important for those girls to know that. This is an amazing thing that we're able to, to reach out to women and, and give them that help who, who genuinely regret and are in pain over having taken that first drug. Well, the abortion industry knows that and you know what? They want to shut that system down. So what they've begun to do is they've begin to, begun to tell the girls to take that second drug earlier and earlier and earlier, uh, 24 hours. Wow, I didn't know this. Instead of 72 hours later. So what's happening then? Babies are being born alive. I mean... To these women. Yeah, and be, because they haven't... the the if it, Think about it logically. If we can... If she calls me and I can get progesterone on board and we can save that baby, that means baby hasn't died in that first 8, 10, 20, 30 hours, right? So if the the abortionists are pushing the girl to take that drug earlier, what's happening is, and there's far more hemorrhaging, you know what I mean? She's bleeding. It's, it's, it's so much worse for the mother and we're having babies being born alive. The other thing is because they're not being told the truth, they're being told it's just a, it's, it'll just bring on your period or they're calling it the missed period pill or the late period pill. This is being advertised on Facebook. There are currently five states who are offering the so-called late period pill. And this idea is, you know, don't find out if you're pregnant or not. Don't even find out you're pregnant. You may not. And and so so in their mind, they're thinking, well, all the, they told me this drug was just going to bring on my period, right? And then what's happening is they're seeing their babies nine weeks, ten weeks, you know, you recently had an experience of this of yeah, a woman who came to you. Woman. Yeah, we had a young woman deliver in her dorm. Was devastated. It was horrible, and she actually, I think it was in her bed sheets, if I remember correctly, that that you know she saw the baby, and um, was just beyond. She and so she put the little baby in a Tupperware. And the baby was moving. Yeah, and well, when she said originally, not by the time we got her, but but when she delivered the baby, the baby's moving because she she's told to take moving. it sooner. She didn't know what to do. She 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 was mortified. She didn't want to flush it down the toilet, and and so she brought this 
this little baby into our clinic in a Tupperware. So, I mean, but the, and, and here's the other thing, the language they're using, do-it-yourself abortion. What this is doing is it, it's putting it all on her completely. She is the abortionist in the case. And, there, and, and just the devastation that's happening to our young women because of this and the risk of hemorrhage and sepsis and, and retained tissue. And, and the thing is, we have no good information about all of the, the complications of this. And how many people are dying? Because they're not reporting it. And they don't go back to the abortion abortionist. And if they've got the, the meds through the mail, who are they going to go to? They go to the ER and it's not being recorded. And these girls often, because there's so much heartbreak and shame over that abortion, these women also aren't initially letting on that they had the abortion. I know um, many girls who I've counseled through these scenarios, they will uh, not call 911. They won't go to the hospital because they think, I just killed my baby. I deserve this. I deserve to die. I deserve whatever's happening. They don't reach out to family or anyone. I remember one woman, she finally reached out to me. She had been hemorrhaging for three weeks. She was sitting in the bathtub in a pool of blood. This is the what the abortion movement believes is a solution to Roe versus Wade being overturned and abortion access going down the hill. You know, they they object to so-called what they refer to as back alley abortions. Well, this is damaging the body, heart, mind, soul, and relationships of these women. Yep. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just bringing the back alley abortion, you know, well, regular abortions are back alley abortions anyway, but it's, it's devastating. And, and the, it, it's and they're trying to bypass all the laws, whether they be heartbeat laws or, or or whatever. And and they are going and it doesn't cost them as much money. Think about it. When they remove it from having to be a doctor, give it to you. The it's it's crazy. And the other thing we're seeing on along border states. I'm going to be in Arizona the end of July in Sierra Vista, Arizona, is that women are crossing the border and getting these very dangerous chemicals and pills and drugs in Mexico uh, at a cheaper price and then they're bringing them back the other thing is there's no who's got the drugs they could it could be guys it could you know what i mean and and then some of the abortion clinics are sending them with extra side attack or that drug that causes labor and says if the first two drugs you take it it's it's not doing it take more and then they just told them if it if you don't need the extra drugs we just gave you flush them down the toilet these amazing well think about it just think babies fetuses 10 11 12 weeks and and these dangerous drugs are being flushed into our sewer systems in great numbers so heartbreaking um I know many people say this is bleak, this is hard um, to wrap our heads around. This is why we need to speak up, why we need to give resources like abortion pill reversals, um, hope and healing after abortion, support after abortion. If you're listening right now and you have been through an abortion, praise God you're here. Whatever means you found yourself here, praise God you're here, you're listening for a reason and that healing is available you do not have to continue to walk with that trauma and that heartbreak. Supportafterabortion.com is the resource we are encouraging you to go to. There's hope, there's healing, there's life after this. No matter if that abortion was 20 years ago or, or five years ago or five months ago. And I always say, praise God for the Catholic Church because here we have reconciliation healed by the blood of the Lamb. So many women who have received incredible 
incredible, incredible healing. That's been Pam Stenzel here with us on Trending, uh, giving us a glimpse into the weeks and days to come with Roe versus Wade being over turn. We need to pray. We need to fast. We need to get out there in front of our abortion clinic. We need to get involved legislatively. I leave you with this. What are you willing and able to do? What sacrifice can you make? I remember one mom just kept talking to me over and over again recently, but I'm so upset. I'm seeing all these debates. I'm just so upset about what's happening with abortion. And she's a stay-at-home mom. And I said, well, you've got time. You've got little, you know, one little kid with you a lot of the time. Go in front of that abortion clinic and you pray that rosary in front of the abortion clinic. And guess what? All those women driving by get to see this beautiful young mom with her baby out in front of that abortion clinic. Talk about a witness to life. Joining me today has been Pam Stenzel. You can find her at pamstenzel.net. That's S-T-E-N-Z-E-L.net. 